Hi everybody, Eric here with Smart Pot Fabric Planners, back with another episode of the Growing Revolution Smart Podcast. And this week we've got Mike and Kristen from Fifth Season Gardening in Asheville, North Carolina. We've also got Ryan, who's their store manager at the Greenboro location. Uh, their first store opened in the year 2000 in Asheville. Uh, since then, they've opened several other stores in the area. They're uh, one of the first hydroponic uh, indoor gardening stores in the southeast, and we wanted to get them on the show to have them talk about their journey and uh, what they've seen over the years and uh, what's on the horizon. So wanted to welcome you guys all to the show. Thanks, Eric. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Awesome. So uh, Mike and Kristen, what were you guys doing before opening up fifth season? You want to answer that? So we, so fifth season really actually opened in 99. Um, back then it was a little tiny 2000 square foot store um, in downtown Asheville under the name Asheville Agricultural Systems. Um, of course, as when it opened, we weren't involved. Um, Mike came along as a part-time employee in 2002. And so uh, Mike's journey began, you know, just a few years into this company opening. We were not owners or um, on the ownership team at that point in time. I came on later. So I'm going to let Mike jump in and explain how he got started. Yeah. Um, so I was, I was a customer at the store. And, you know, back then, like, I would, I would walk into the store and I'd see the same, you know, manager and a, and, and a part-time employee. Um and, you know, I was just, I was just buying, buying stuff for my soil grow and, and, you know, it was such a young industry. Like what we're selling now is completely different than what we were selling back then. Um, but, uh, you know, Kristen and I started getting a little more serious in our relationship, started wanting to settle down a little bit. And she, um, she said, uh, she said, you know, that place that you uh, shop at is, is hiring. Why don't you go get a, a legitimate job? Because <laughs> because I was just a grower, um, you know, always working like some part time jobs. That's kind of how we met. Um, was working at a group home together with autistic persons. But nice. um, yeah, yeah. This it's was a, we were really really young. Yeah. <laughs> some time ago. Um, yeah. We all were a lot younger back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, I, yeah, I had, a, I had dreadlocks halfway down my back and, nice. you know, and, and so out of a, out of a stack of about 50 applications, um, the, the couple of, uh, part-timers there, you know, were really going to bat for me. They're like, we want this guy. Like, he's just always smiling and, and always has good things to say. And for all so. you kids out there, this is when $7 an hour was like pretty awesome. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, back in the day, right? So, so you guys weren't the original owners of uh, of the store. When when did you get the keys? So, so let's kind of we'll we'll get there. Um, so the it's kind of a kind of an interesting story. So the original owner was actually living out in Colorado. Um, you know, had somebody running the store back in those days for him. About a year or so into ownership, um, was kind of seeing some issues with who was running it is the long and the short of it. Um, got his brother-in-law who was the English professor to come out. 
um, to help him close up the store. Brother-in-law decides he's going to purchase the business without really knowing anything about um, what the heck is being sold there. He's walking through the shelves going, I don't know what this is, but I think I'm going to turn it around. Bought the business for, what was it, a dollar was the story, and um, went through and, you know, honestly spent the next 20 years um, learning how to do this. So when we came on as owners, and I'm going to jump ahead when I kind of say this, we came on as owners when the little Asheville, the, ori the original Asheville store decided it was ready to grow up and go into a bigger location. So we'll talk about that transition here, but that, that is the point at which we, we joined the owners um, as partners. Okay. So we were never, you know, it wasn't our business originally to start with. Um, it's kind of that part-timer to part-owner story. Nice. And, um, and of course, there was some expansion in those years, too. So um, 2013 is when I came on. And really, the reason for that was just that the location of the store at the time, if anybody's been to Asheville, you know, it's went through a huge boom. And... Um, the area of town where the store was was specifically especially going through a huge boom it was it made sense at the time that mike and i's face was kind of pushed front and center so i came on in this capacity of doing more almost like community relations and collaborations and you know really putting ourselves out there more in the sense of you know events and um and also i guess that you know the new store the prospect of like expanding into a new store was on our minds at that time, which that happened in 2015. So we went from uh, 2,000 square feet to 15,000 square feet. Of course, at the time, you know, in the mid 2000s, the owners, Richard and Ashley, um, they had another store open up in Charlottesville, Virginia, and then out in the Chapel Hill area. Greensboro, right? I'm not sure what year Greensboro opened. We've been here. It's been 17 years because I know we've been in three locations, each one of those five years. Yeah. So, and then another little store in Raleigh. So the the business as a whole was expanding. We were kind of more on the Asheville side. Um, went from a small store to a bigger store, and we became owners at that time. So, you know, it's always been a joint partnership, um, and we were just small part of that, you know, ownership team. Yeah. Um, but, you know, anytime something is at least on your shoulders a little bit, it's incredibly, you treat it like it's... Like your baby. You know, your baby. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, so that's kind of the history there. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that expansion project of going from this little store to the big store um, is when things really started to change the model. Yeah. Um, I, I can't emphasize that enough. Of course, when the Charlottesville store opened and when the Carborough store opened, they were already beginning to expand beyond the traditional hydro store model um, and into some of these other areas. And that's when the rebrand around being a, you know, urban DIY, 21st century urban DIY and expanding into homebrew and, you know, tropical plants and pottery and all these other areas was, it kind of came out of necessity. I think, you know, we started to see, especially out in Asheville, like this little store was like humming along for so long, you know, it was like so easy to have these big days, you know, with very little effort and it required very little um, presentation, you know, to like have yeah. these big sales. Mm -hmm. 
And, um, yeah, those were the days when, you know, it wasn't uncommon for somebody to come in cash in hand and, and you know, well, four lights and, and all the necessi necessities yeah. to go with it, you know. When the West Coast legalized, we started to see a change, though. And, <laughs> um, you know, there was a big movement. A lot of people left Asheville. A lot of people were following the the movement out out West. And it the writing was sort of on the wall that if we didn't pivot and adjust as a company and diversify, um, you know, it was it was gonna be hard to stay afloat. Yeah, so legalization out west uh, caused like a dip in hydroponic sales for you guys as customers kind of migrated to what, Colorado, Washington, Oregon, and California? Yeah, the, grow the growers migrated. Um, and then the ones that weren't maybe the greatest growers were just, um, you know, I guess, uh, recipients of the products. <laughs> I mean, also at the time, Asheville was changing. So, you know, you're getting this little, you know, kind of undiscovered city becoming more on the map. And yeah. with that comes a whole change, you know? Um, yeah, Asheville is like so always on the list of like best places to live. I, I swear for the last like 20 years, Asheville has been on the list. And I, I went through Asheville once as like a teenager and I just remember it was a really pretty town. Just, uh, it, it seemed like an ideal place to live. So it makes what? sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm ruining the secret here. Sorry about that. It's terrible. That. Yeah, there, there's no more secrets. Yeah. The, the cat's out of the bag. Everyone wants to move to North Carolina, Florida, Texas, Tennessee. Sorry, yeah. we're coming. Yeah. I, I actually just moved to Florida from California myself. So I'm part of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, so, 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 the, uh, so that answers your question, you know, was the, was the store originally or initially focused on growing indoors and hydroponics? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then you 100%. guys diversified into like other D DIY, um, uh, pro products and, and projects. Like what, what are you guys selling now besides hydro Well, stuff? I mean, I'll go back and say homebrew was kind of the first like ancillary category to come on, you know, that, that seemed natural. There was a little homebrew section in the store selling, you know, grains and hops and yeast. And, um, you know, at that time they would have displays, you know, basil growing and trade basil for, for slices of pizza at the local pizza shop or, you know, just, yes, organic gardeners too. Mm -hmm. um, wasn't all just indoor growers. Um, but, continuing to diversify into like, like I was saying, the tropical house plants and the home decor, um, you know, everything we have now, like wind spinners and bird feeders and, um, you know, fairy garden items like that all came with having more space to have that. For sure. Ryan's store in Greensboro still more exists under that former model. You know, it's still very much, um, it's smaller, um, more focused on the indoor gardening side. Yeah, yeah. also well, like five times the size of ours. So we've set yeah. a small niche of uh, indoor gardeners. That's kind of what we do around here. That makes sense. What What would you say your mix of sales is with like hydro products versus like everything else uh, at, at the Asheville store? Mm, it used to be half and half, but now I would say... Yeah, I mean, in some sense, you're comparing to apples to oranges because you got these higher ticket items, you know, so so volume and cost, you know, that that, you know, if you if you're just looking at it on a pie chart, um, you know, soils and amendments, that whole category, outdoor gardening still kind of holds its uh, holds the top spot. 
But as far as growth goes, we have seen, I, I can't even begin to tell you the amount of growth we've seen on houseplants and tropicals and home decor. I think that has a lot to do with just the popularity of houseplants in years with, you know, Pinterest and Instagram and just everybody wants, you know, plant people are just a thing. It's a thing. Yeah. Um, As people stop so, having kids, they're having plants now. <laughs> Yeah, and, they, and there's and there's like this middle ground as well, like, because, you know, we're selling bags of, of Ocean Forest and Happy Frog to indoor growers, but just as many bags to the, you know, the, the, the folks that are up potting their tropical plants. So that area is kind of fuzzy. It's kind of hard to say if it's, you know, what direction those products are going in if you just run a report. For sure. For sure. So. There's a, yeah, there's a lot of crossover. Um, what, uh, mm -hmm. what is your guys typical customer looking like, you know, are they old, <laughs> young, male, female? You got it, Ryan. I, so again, I've been with this company 10 years now and in the beginning at our location, it was always those old school kind of hippie growers is what we used to see. Now I'm seeing a diversity of everybody. And especially even with, uh, I'm a little bit closer to Virginia than uh, the Asheville store is. So they just had legalization back in July. So I'll have customers that are, you know, legit cannabis growers that are anything from, you know, 20s to 30s to 70s and 80s. You know, I've dealt with a, a lot of older customers that this is their first time growing and just need information on everything. So in all honesty, these days, I see a wide variety of everybody. You couldn't tell what anybody that comes in the store or what they're growing. And especially with springtime, you know, we've got a lot of outdoor growers, a lot of uh, raised beds that I see a lot of people that are buying different soils for, different amendments for. So in all honesty, we have a, just a wide variety of everybody that comes in our location. Nice. That's I would say that's probably same, true at the others. You know, of course, um, I would say it's maybe that emphasized because, um, you know, the, the, grow, the indoor growers are really kind of fading into the background now. Um, with our bigger locations and that wasn't the case before. So, you know, they're fading, they more fade into the background and you can't tell them from, you know, somebody who's coming in to get their gardens going. But then we have, because we sell, you know, nursery plants and ornamentals and perennials and annuals, um, we're getting everybody from, you know, the established uh, homeowner to, you know, the younger folks who are super into plants. And I will say that's pretty awesome to see so many like younger folks. Like I can't tell you how exciting it is when you have a 17 year old boy coming in excited to buy some cacti. I mean, it's like, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. That's not uh, to generalize. Th those are going to be the lifelong customers. Uh, ideally, you know, that's, uh, yeah. get them while they're young, uh, like the cigarette industry, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and then of course, you know, the hobbies, you know, they do, they do cross over, but, um, it is, it is just so across the board. I mean, just about anybody you could, you could imagine. And, um, this might be a tangent, but of course the last couple of years through COVID, um, that has even, grown even more you know i mean we saw obviously you know we were right there at the at the heart of um we were we, we were open the whole time through covid and a lot of people were fearful that you know the supply chains of food were going to be changing and everybody wanted to grow their own whether that ended up being you know moving from a place of necessity to a place of like well this at least just like got me through it mentally you know this was this was uh this was huge so we really 
um, we worked really, really hard during that time to stay, to stay open and to pivot and to, you know, be there for the community so that they could keep doing what they were doing. And, um, but gained a lot of new customers. And honestly, now I think we've got some new lifelong gardeners um, that started doing it during COVID. So that that's really cool. Yeah, the uh, 2020 was a really busy, rough year for, you know, indoor garden centers and, you know, traditional garden centers. Uh, but it kind of seems like, you know, all that hard work is hopefully going to, you know, provide us with a, a higher customer base of people going forward for the next, you know, five to 10 years, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would just, again, just kind of that again, like the, the big thing there is that starting from indoor gardening and moving into more traditional gardening is a very different path than what you're seeing with a lot of traditional garden centers now trying to bring hydroponics and indoor gardening into their model. And that's one thing we've noticed is um, different about what how we've entered into this whole industry. Um, you know, I go to trade shows now and you see a lot of more traditional garden centers starting to bring in some of the indoor side of things. And that's awesome. But it is it is a different angle that we came at it from. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, re I really like your guys' uh, marketing angle of, you know, not only just hydro stuff, but other, you know, honey making, home brewing, because somebody who's growing their own is also going to probably want to do other stuff on their own. So it just makes yeah, sense yeah. to have a one-stop shop uh, for those types of people. And then, you know, someone who's into cheese making might be like, well, you know, I also like gardening and these look like really cool products that I don't see at my, you know, traditional garden center. So, uh, good on you guys. Yeah, for... that was, again, that was a response by necessity, mm -hmm. you know, like that, that call to diversify was, um, you know, economically driven. I mean, it's financially mm -hmm. driven, but yeah. also it of course made sense, yeah. you know? Yeah. Thanks. Um, so I was wondering how has the, product mix changed from like 2000 to like now for you guys like what were you know the popular brands and products you know 20 years ago as, as opposed to like today what's popular in your guys stores all right so i may i may be the only one qualified to answer that one <laughs> um so you know just before i started working at the store like it was it was lighting systems because those were the hardest things to come by you know there was no there was no amazon nobody was shipping these things around and nobody in their right mind wanted to have you know 250 pounds worth of ballast delivered to their to their home because that's what they weighed then you know so so just before i came on i know that the company was dealing with diamond brand lighting and anybody that's been in the industry long enough is probably chuckling as they hear this because um, those things became notorious for catching on fire. Um, so <laughs> I think that 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 was short lived, you know. Um, and then whenever I came on, we were already selling um, Sun System brand lights, you know, and, and there'd be like a row of. 400 watt, 600 watt, and 1,000 watt ballast in both high pressure sodium and metal halide. Right. And things like, you know, clunky looking reflectors that you could attach 
flanges too if you wanted to and optional glass and like reflectors that look <laughs> like satellite dishes yeah yes yeah, so, <laughs> the old parabolic um, reflectors you got mm -hmm. it yeah 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 we definitely sold those um but you know like some of the stuff is still like like current you know like selling two by two and two by four three by three four by four grow trays with the reservoir and the plumbing kits like none of that stuff is really changed you know and and you know as we as we have seen there's like more fertilizer companies out there um and and a lot more advances in um you know the supplements that go along with uh with growing our our favorite crop but um you know that's that's what it looked like back then yeah yeah i think uh you know up until maybe i don't know 2010 2012 to me, it seemed like stores made the bulk of their money on like hardware purchases, you know, lights, trays, tents, stuff like that. And then mm -hmm. I, I think around, you know, that time, for some reason, you know, I, I, I think growers already had their equipment. So then stores started focusing a bit more on the inputs, uh, you know, the fertilizer products and soils. So uh, right, right. nice. So when did you guys start selling SmartPot? Uh, products and you know what are your I guess general thoughts on on those products yeah if I had to, if I had to guess it was somewhere between like 2008 and 2010 um, that's pretty much you know, the beginning kind of... of when they were really cranking out uh, in, in the retail uh, side of things yeah it, it didn't take us long as soon as we learned of the technology and like what what the what the benefits for were for the for the roots, um, you know, it, it caught on pretty quickly. Nice, um, nice. What are what are your uh, best selling uh, sizes over there? Uh, probably yeah, threes, fives, um, tens. tens. I use fifteens here at home. Um, that's kind of like my. I haven't moved to bed yet. I do have a couple samples of the of the beds that my um, that my rep gave me, because um, I like I like to do the living soil thing. So I, I kind of determined that 15 gallons is kind of like the threshold for being able to pull that off. I've, I've been working the same soil for about I don't know 10 or 11 rounds now. Nice. This is for legal hemp, not yes. This is for yeah legal for, hemp. for legal hemp. We're in North Carolina, so this is for legal hemp. Um, License hemp growth. Of course. I don't know what else it would be for. <laughs> I mean, Who knows? Very, yeah. Um, you know, we've got we've got four thirty gallon uh, smart pots in our garden right now, each housing a different um, variety of potato. Nice. So that's been my thing. Um, for me, you know, not being an indoor grower, um, I can't tell you how fun it was and is to connect with customers that. Um, either rent their homes or they're kind of like, you know, passing through or they're, you know, not here, to, but they want to put together a garden and they don't really want to invest in the infrastructure. So those six, eight, and um, you know, the long beds, the 12 foot beds, I can even sell people on those. And um, it, they're just great. You know, it's just such an easy sell um, to get somebody to buy, especially, you know, those eight foot long beds. Um, that's been a nice, add to our repertoire is getting those in i'll i'll make one more plug and then i want to hear ryan's opinion on this uh, um, um but you know I, folks always ask me like how durable are they, are they 
And I will tell you that I've had two Cascade hops, um, two, two separate pots. And I still, you know, we've been in this house for about a decade and I still haven't determined where I want to plant them permanently. And they have been growing in those pots for, for nearly a decade. And I can still grab the handle and like drag them around if I want to. So, you know, if that speaks to the durability, then. And yeah, I, I agree 100% yeah. with you, Mike. I, That's I, been my experience. I have finally ripped one. This is the first time, and we've got that eight foot bet that was outside of the shop here. And we tried to move it from beside the building down to by our uh, garden that we've put out there. So the problem is, is it's eight foot long with all of that soil in there and it had rained like three days before. So me and three other guys had to pick this thing up and the only place it ripped was where I grabbed it with my hand on the top. But it's still alive, it's still kicking and we still got plants in it. So yeah, those things are durable, they last. I mean, I've got blueberries in them at my house for the past six years now. So I mean, they're they're solid. I, I, I definitely enjoy them. Yeah, I, I think that's... Probably the number one selling point that I try to push on smart pots is that they're going to last two to three to four times as long as a knockoff fabric pot. Uh, the knockoff yes, might be cheaper initially, but when you have to rebuy that, uh, as opposed to a smart pot that you don't, your cheap pot is now your more expensive pot. So uh, right. be smart, buy a smart pot. And yeah, my, mine are like six, seven years old, and I feel like I could get another you know, five or six years out of them, uh, you know, you just wash them up, get the, get the mineral deposits off and they're good to go. But actually I've been doing living yeah, soil yeah, like we you. Little, um, we have a little pond in our, uh, in our nursery at the store. And so we use pond pots this year to, nice. to plant some cattails. Um, we got the hanging basket liners this year. Um, we've been playing around with the colors. We've got orange, purple, blue now, which we didn't have before. Um, so that's been fun to see who grabs those off the shelf. You know, those are always the wild people, <laughs> like, like a little color in their life. Especially those purple. Yeah, the people who are about aesthetics are, are grabbing those new colors. You know, me personally, uh, you know, I don't care what color it is as long as it's a smart pot and it's growing me an awesome plant. <laughs> Yeah, I've had a few people that are, you know, they kind of look at, they come in looking for a ceramic pot. They aren't ready to spend the money on a ceramic pot. And I explain it to them. And usually if I say, you know, you know, it's just, it's just a black fabric pot, but I promise you your plants, it'll just kind of fade and disappear. And you won't even see that, but you'll see the healthy plants inside. And it's, um, they're usually like, oh yeah, I see that, you know, and then buy it. <laughs> Yeah, you know, there's two people in this world, people who have used smart pots before or, you know, you haven't. And and typically, you know, if, if you haven't used it before, I was pretty skeptical on smart pots uh, before using them. And my first one was a sample. And uh, I, I it took me a while to throw a succulent in there. But then when I did, it just did so much better than like the other succulent that I had like in a same size plastic container that I was just kicking myself. Like, why did it take me so long to, to use this? <laughs> oxygen is important. Yep. Yeah. Oxygen to the roots is a limiting factor of growth. And that's, you know, why hydro and aeroponics grows such a fast plant. And, and I tell people you can get the benefits of hydro uh, in a smart pot without, you know, all the hardware necessarily involved. Mm -hmm. um, nice. So, um, 
So I, I read something online uh, that last year the Cherokee tribe legalized cannabis for qualifying patients. Uh, what's the current status of cannabis in North Carolina in general? And it, does it look like uh, medical cannabis is on the horizon in the state? I'll let you answer that, Ryan. So it's so any kind of cannabis products in North Carolina are 100% illegal. There's no recreational, there's no medicinal, and the reason that at Cherokee, they're on that Indian reservation, so they were allowed to grow some for their patients there just because the, little, the federal law there works a little bit different. Now, I've read a lot about right. this new medicinal bill, and it's, in all honesty, it's going to make, if it passes, we will be the worst state in North Carolina. The, the worst state in the United States if this bill passes. So what it does is right now we are decriminalized. So if you were to possess up to an ounce and a half, it's a misdemeanor charge. You know, you kind of just get a ticket for it. When this, if this bill passes, number one, the only people that can get a card for it are going to be, you know, AIDS, cancer, HIV, a debilitating disease to be able to get this, which I understand completely. That's fine. But they're not going to allow any caretakers and you can't grow your own. So you're going to be a patient that has to be stuck buying this product from one out of 10 places that's going to be allowed to do it. And they have to be fully integrated, which means you have to grow this thing from seed all the way through flour. You process it and you have to sell on site. And then once that's going to happen, the laws for any regular person that could possess it, you're looking at probably felony charges. So it's basically just right. setting everything back where we've gotten to right now. So, I mean, hopefully our legislators will understand that, will get in there and change things, especially when you go, you know, 45 minutes uh, up to Virginia from where I'm at, and you're allowed four plants for any person that's in this state, they're going to allow dispensaries to open up in 2024. And that's, you know, fully recreational. So we're getting to that spot where every state around us is eventually going to have some form of recreational, some form of medicinal, and they're going to have to start seeing some kind of loss in revenue to kind of get their head out of the dirt to kind of understand where the cannabis plants going yeah and we do have a store in virginia so we are seeing the difference between our stores you know in in lieu of that that current bill up there and it's honestly that's a great bill for the for both the retailer and for a home grower i mean it's just it's kind of the best case scenario it's what it should um, be yeah, yeah from what I understand of Virginia's law, it sounds like they really hit it out of the park on, on the first swing. Uh, you know, just going fully recreational, opening it up, letting people grow at home, but then also uh, excluding dispensaries from, you know, uh, popping up uh, for at least, what, 2024, I think, is when they can start? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, we'll see what it looks like, you know, on the other side. Um yeah, so, you know, it Politics. gives the little guy a head start <laughs> over, you know, big cannabis, which is ruining California for sure and, and any other state they can get their hands on. Absolutely. Well, you know, fingers crossed. I always say, you know, I voted against Prop 64 in California because it was a bad law. We already had medical in California. If you couldn't find it, you know, there was really something wrong with you. Um, and Prop 64 just, it's ruining, uh, cannabis in California. I saw it coming and I, I really hope that North Carolina doesn't pass this law because it sounds like a bad law. So hopefully they scrap it yeah, and I mean, go back and, to you the know, This is coming on the heels of, this is coming on the heels of, um, you know, us moving from our state pilot program for hemp 
to that being turned over to the USDA. So, you know, all of us, you know, within the fifth season, we've, we've been working with a hemp permit um, for, for the last couple of years. And that has allowed us to grow hemp in a, inside of our stores and engage in conversations with people about, about it. And then, of course, you know, sell the product as well, which we've just, you know, we've been keeping it just a boutique, you know, indoor flower. Um, and people want it. <laughs> it's just like, you know, our customers aren't the people that you might think. They, they are truly the people that don't want to get high. You know, they want to... They want, they want to feel to good. They want to feel the benefits relief. of it, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's been proven so... I mean, it really has. With all your different cannabinoids, you know, with your, your CBDs, whether it's CBGs, CBNs, each one of them, whether it's for insomnia, for inflammation, for pain management, and it can keep you from getting high as well. So that, that's why I do say that with a lot of our customers, too. It's like there are so many benefits to this plant if you're not just trying to be that, you know, stoner person. You know, there are a lot of benefits from it. And, and I just feel that I don't know what's with North Carolina, but they're it's like any other you know institution where you have to find a way to capitalize how much money you can make off this and what drives me crazy is you're not going to allow a patient to grow their own plant which just boggles my mind when you put it to that reality towards it yeah i'm i'm with i'm with you um hopefully you know hopefully smarter people prevail in the states and you know they are looking north to virginia and just seeing how well they're doing uh with it and and have a change of heart and get their heads screwed on straight so that's right so talking about problems what are your guys biggest headaches as uh hydro store uh owner operators well it's that i put some notes aside on that one um so you know of course in recent years we've been grappling with supply chain issues um, which, you know, kind of doesn't really apply to smart pots being U.S. made. You know, that's been our um, one of our trusty uh, vendors, honestly. We were struggling um, we during the pandemic. Uh, in, initially, like the demand up, just but, skyrocketed you know, for us. But your product wasn't stuck at the forks, you know. Very true. Like, um, so so that that has been, you know, that's forced us as a company um, to respond to how to how we go about purchasing and it's it's taken more time than ever you know to make sure that like if we can't get something we get a replacement and it's it's a lot of time and energy and then of course with that too um with freight costs fluctuating and changing so much we're constantly having to look at our our costs and adjusting our prices and that is you know it takes away from interacting with with our with our customers and it's just it's just a lot of it's a lot of work and we're not um we're not necessarily built with a lot of extra resources for that. So, you know, this is a lot of just spending time doing it outside of store hours and, and looking at all these things. So that's been a challenge. Um, you know, brick and mortar in general is a challenge. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think in order to be six, I don't think this goes, you know, I, I don't think this is news to anybody, but like brick and mortar in some sense is dying. And in order to be relevant and to stay relevant in this day and time in brick and mortar, you have to provide um, a couple things. One is the experience and the expertise. One is going to be, you know, just just something that doesn't ship well. <laughs> um, which thankfully we're also in that market, you know, soil and 
birdseed don't exactly sell well online. Um, But, you know, we've survived almost like an industry like that has gone very digital and we're constantly having to pivot. And I think I've mentioned that word a couple of times, but adjust to, you know, how, how to stay, how to stay relevant. And that's on the marketing side, which is my job. That's on the hiring side and the personnel side with who we bring in to help um, be in our stores and be the face of our stores, who manages our stores. Um, so, so that, those are all challenging pieces um, to me. Yeah. Yeah, what you got, Ryan? I was going to say what I found most is, is knowledge. Uh, Cause a lot of my customers, you know, they tell me like, Hey, we can buy this online, but I don't get to talk to you about what my issues is, what my problem is. I can physically see what you have in your store versus just trying to buy something online. And that's what I, I feel like really helps us a lot here is just, you know, talking and knowledge. Cause I'll have, I feel like a barbershop sometimes. Like I'll have some customers that just want to hang out here for an hour and just talk about their grows because who else are they going to talk to about it with? You know, their wife doesn't want to talk to them about this the whole time, you know? So like you can sit here and don't you can have conversations with everybody. So, <laughs> so that, yeah. that's why I feel helps us out a lot. And that, and that's kind of the same thing that I was going to say through the years. I feel like the, the, the first wave of like, you know, Amazon shipping, Portalux bulbs and things like that, like it, it hurt, you know, it really, it, cause it, it was such a new thing and folks were like, Oh my God, the price is just like, I, I, I have to buy it for cheaper. Um, and so that and now was, LEDs. that was really frustrating, but now I feel like I have more of those folks that they have learned to appreciate that brick and mortar because that, that relation, they've discovered that that relationship is important you know that you can go to that that brick and mortar and talk to that guy that is going to give you the same advice that he gave the 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 last three customers because it's it's tried and true and you know you're not having to filter through you know three or four different forums online where you got these jokers telling you this and that or not taking your your warranty product back easily very true. Well, right, that. <laughs> so, nice. um, yeah, that that is the big advantage for uh, the brick and mortar stores is is the experience and and the knowledge a hundred percent. And and I think the stores that have focused on that are the stores that are still around and and are thriving, and those that haven't have gone by the wayside. Um, mm-hmm. Now, hydro stores are pretty funny places uh or they can be at times do you guys have any uh funny stories like from from uh you know the years of you know either customers or crazy things that have happened uh just to kind of wrap wrap this interview up on a light funny note yeah i i I will share one that i was asked to to share um you know when, when we were young as a company um, we, you know, we were already sort of like tapped into our community and people were like, you know, not only supporting us, but they were, they wanted us to support them as well. And I occasionally get folks that come in with, with their own products. And, um, this is one that even Richard, the, uh, the original owner would, would share, um, because it's, it's pretty funny, but I had a customer who, um, was going around to the, uh, pet groomers and she was bagging up the dog hair and packaging it as a product called uh, Dog Gone Rabbits. 
as keep, a, to keep pests away. It was supposed to like repel, <laughs> you know, groundhogs and stuff because and they she, smelled dog. She really, really was pushing that that we carry this product to the point where I agreed to take a few on as a consignment. <laughs> He still and, hasn't uh, that down. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was those were in my softer days. I'm, I'm a little more rigid now. Um, <laughs> so, so did you try the product out? Does it work? I mean, because in uh, theory, it kind of makes very sense to me. Dogs around here, so we didn't need to. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, I, I'm dealing with uh, snakes in my yard. Uh, we, we got the garter snakes, but also I've been finding some water moccasins coming in there. And honestly, uh, oh, spreading wow. some dog hair around my yard might uh, might repel those things. Or Go for the sulfur. Yeah, you need, you need some sulfur, dude. I've, I've heard that, but I, I'm afraid it might wash away in the rain. Does it last for a while? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> snakes don't, so yeah. it's worth a try. Yeah, better than um, getting your kid bit by a snake. No, yeah, that's no true. doubt. Yeah, water moccasins are not fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's also just you know historically things were so different, and we would have you know customers coming into the store, you know, in like full on um, oh, disguise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, my favorite customer name to this day was was Latex Bob because he would wear his hat very, very low, and he would wear latex gloves. Cash would already be like sort of pre-counted. He did not want change. Um, so <laughs> he, he's, he's the uber paranoid grower. Uh, he, yes, he took it to the next level. Um, you know, he would, he would take his plates off, park up the street. Um, I mean, but I would I will say he was probably one of my longest running customers of, through the years. Yeah. yeah, and every year at our you know Christmas parties, it was like we're here because of people like Latex Bob. <laughs> like, let's not forget that like we made it another year. Thanks, Latex Bob. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, do you guys have any other uh, funny nicknames for customers besides Latex Bob? Because I know a lot well, of hydro stores have funny second. names. So, honestly. We have we've had a like a loyalty program for the running for the last 10, 15 years. And honestly, the majority of the customers for so long have been under an alias name. Yeah. You know, you don't have to give us your information. You don't have to give us anything. And so do we have customers with funny names? We have hundreds of customers with with funny names. But, you know, in recent years, in the last couple of months, honestly, we've just completely revamped our loyalty program and we're now kind of requiring like a phone number and a legit name. And, uh, you know, Ryan will say like, I'm not sure about this, you know, how people are going to respond to this. But I just, I think that, I think that those days are sort of over and as a, you know, legitimate business, like, you know, we're kind of doing away with that as well and feeding into that paranoia that kind of doesn't need to be there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what about you, Ryan? You got a... Oh, sorry. Uh, Ryan, I was going to ask, how about you? You got any stories from the store? Yeah, so my favorite one was from about five years or so ago, and it was a couple of newer growers in there. Like, one of the guys... Had, he knew what was going on, and he brought his buddy in there, and we had a cloning machine sitting up on the front counter, and he was looking at that, and I was showing him how you put a plant in here, it creates roots, and he looked at me, I mean, dead serious, not joking, he's like, so if I cut my finger off in there, I can uh, grow another finger back? And I just looked at him like, 
you're, you're being serious with me right now, right? And he's like, yeah, man, can't we do that? And I was like, all right, man. It's like, that's not how biology works, my friend. <laughs> I got one one time somebody held up a quart of bud candy and uh and said um is this what you spray on the plant to give it the crystals oh my goodness <laughs> you know it, it sounds really stupid uh to to ask that you know because we know but you know I could see from his perspective if he has no you know, knowledge, you might, you might think, sure. well, oh yeah, that's just like sugar on, on the leaves. Yeah. Right? It's yeah, called yeah. sugar leaf, right? So it's sugar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, all that. that aside, I mean, we oh, can tell man. funny stories, honestly, for days. I think we all just could keep, keep them coming, but you know, we really do have some really, we have really great customers and, um, you know, I can say that working in retail can sometimes be, you know, it's, it's, it's retail. And, um, I'm just grateful that, you know, the products that we sell, smart pots, everything that we're about with our, with our, with our whole model, honestly, is, uh, feel good work to sell it. And I can't tell you how sweet it can be, you know, when you sell a house plant to somebody who's memorializing their dog or somebody who's come back and told us that our advice on their first year growing tomatoes was awesome. And they got to like give those away to their neighbors and like, you know, it just, it just feels different than selling t-shirts or something, you know? And, um, so there's the funny stories, but the, the fact of the matter is for retail, it's got an aspect of feel good work in there too. <laughs> Yeah, at, at the end of the day, it's all about the customer uh, when it comes to the retail store. And, um, you know, as long as you stay focused on them and, and provide them with the products they need and, you know, that interaction, they'll keep coming back. So it's, uh, you know, a testament to you guys that you're doing it right, that you've been, you know, uh, open and thriving for so long. So nice job. Thanks. So where can people get in touch with you guys? Uh, you, you guys are on Instagram, any, any other social sites? What's your handles on there? Yeah, so because we're a multi-store business, each of our stores has a slightly different Instagram handle. So Fifth Season Gardening will be the main. We have FS Asheville, um, FS Greensboro. Um, we have the Charlottesville, FS Asheville. Or Charlottesville. Um, of course, you can go on our website, fifthseasongardening.com scroll to the bottom right corner and you can click on each individual store. You can kind of capture, we actually have an online store as well where people can purchase things to ship. Um, of course there's a link to Facebook. So we've got the Facebook as well. And, um, you know, kind of keep an eyes out for other continued ways that we're, we're reaching out. So, uh, Ryan's got a YouTube channel. That's super educational. Nice. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Um, it's, you know uh, that? it's called growing with the beard. And I actually do stuff where I'll uh, break down just like elements, like, you know, what's alfalfa meal? What's bone meal? How do you use these? How can I apply them to my garden? Um, and I also do um, on the hemp side, let's say you have like a nitrogen deficiency. I'll actually show you what a leaf is. How do you fix this? Here's a calcium deficiency. How do you fix those? So it's all mostly educational. You can use them, you know, indoors, outdoors, in your garden, anywhere that you really want to apply that. Nice, nice. Knowledge is power and, you know, people are going to, you know, take that, use it, be successful and hopefully, you know, buy more products from uh, fifth season. So um, on that note, Mike, Kristen, Ryan, 
I wanted to thank you guys uh, for your time uh, joining us on the podcast and then also for being uh, great dealers for uh, SmartPot products. I, I always say we can't do it without, you know, the dealers who are uh, getting it to the end users. So wanted to uh, extend a, a thank you to you guys for being great supporters over the years. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, this has been fun. Eric, thanks for, sorry it took so long to kind of link up, but. Hey, uh, better um, better it. late than never. Yeah, we've been talking for a while about, you You guys were on my initial list of, of uh, people I wanted to interview. And so I'm glad that we finally got linked up. And um, thanks yeah, for I'll, I'll be following you guys' progress on Instagram and keeping in touch that way. So again, wanted to thank you guys for your time uh, joining us on the podcast here. Thank you. Absolutely, thanks Eric.